Hello. Welcome to episode number 18 of the Show Up podcast. This is our Mother's Day mashup. This episode is really important to me. I spent a lot of time thinking about it, a lot of time preparing for it. Um, I get that Mother's Day can be a really complex holiday for a lot of people and for so many varied reasons. And because of that, I had some trouble as I was working to come up with an idea and a concept for this week's episode. And then I realized that what I wanted more than anything else was for us all to have a sense of solidarity. And I wanted to be able to offer some insight from as broad an array as I possibly could of the experience of motherhood, the experience of the relationships that we have with our mothers. Um, And of course, I cannot represent every single experience, but here is my best attempt at a Mother's Day offering that hopefully will be meaningful to you. Enjoy. I will say that I am the mother of two amazing boys. I will say that I am not a traditional mother and that I am not their biological mother, nor am I their legal parent or guardian. The first time I got that question about when are you going to have your own kids, how it just stopped me cold because it had never occurred to me that I didn't already have my own kids. You know, if you if you get the highs and you get the lows, then you get the title. I am the mother of two teenagers two toddlers and my penny that passed away and she would be eight years old. I'm a mom of two, a son who is 12, a daughter who is eight. I also am a stepmom to some really amazing grown-ups and mother-in-law to their spouses and grandma or Mimi, which is what they call me, to um, four grandkids, uh, three boys and a girl. Hi, I'm a mother of four. I have three sons and one daughter. My oldest is 10, and then my next is seven, and then my daughter is five, and then my last baby is three. I am a mother of two small children, a girl and a boy. One is three and one is six. But I had the good fortune to marry into a family. So I became a stepmom. And one of the things that surprised me, or to go back to your point about people on the outside looking in and maybe our society's inherent desire to put labels on things, I hadn't been married very long and the boys were pretty young. And I would have people routinely ask me, so when are you gonna have your own kids? And that just stopped me every time I heard that question because I had my own kids. The boys were mine. I felt like they were mine because they were family. And I will say that while my marriage didn't work out, my family did. I still have two amazing kids and they are not biologically or legally tied to me, but they're still mine. And now I'm on the flip side. I will have people ask, well, how are you doing with the boys? Because 
well, they're not really yours. And now being a little older, uh, hopefully a little wiser, I just don't have the tolerance for that. And I, sh I stopped that pretty, pretty quickly in the sense that the boys are great and we're great and they're absolutely mine as much as they ever were. Tell me about a time when your mom totally had your back. I was a pretty good student, but I was an extreme procrastinator in high school. And my mom, um, I had an I had an assignment that I had turned in late, and essentially I was supposed to get my mom to sign it, and I didn't do that. And I showed up at school with the assignment, and I thought, you know what? Just gonna sign it myself. I've got some pretty good handwriting here. I'm I'm gonna forge her signature. So I did it. I thought I was super successful. I pulled it off. I brought it home and I thought I had hid it away. But my mom was going through my binder and she found it. And I thought I was in for it. Like this is it. Um, my life is over. She's just gonna kill me on the spot. And she took a deep breath and she brought it to me and she said, you know what? Next time you do this, just tell me because then at least if the school calls, I can back you up. And I was like, what? It was the most amazing. It was absolutely not what I expected. And it was one of those moments where I was like, my mom is rad. I guess that's probably the thing that my mom did and still does specifically well is she's really brave in a really straightforward way. My mom, nothing was ever a major ordeal. Nothing was ever an issue because she just handled it or helped us handled it, handle it, or we knew it was gonna get handled. There was nothing that was insurmountable. And now as an adult, I realize how many just what I think I would have been or I would have found really unsettling situations we, my sisters and I dropped her into. So it doesn't occur to me in, until I had kids and they became involved in activities that I knew nothing about how awkward it was to Take your, take your child to this event or this project or this class or camp that they were really excited about that you knew nothing about. So you had no way to really support them or even your own network of people. So, you know, you were walking into a group of strangers. We asked my mom to do that all the time and she just did it. Um, these weren't necessarily things she was passionate about or people she was friends with or knew especially well, but it didn't matter. Okay, this is what we're doing. You've committed to this. I've committed to this. This is the plan. This is the program. Let's go. Yeah. Tell me about a time when your mom had your back. So there's a couple things that come to, to mind. So my mom always showed up for us, always, always. Like I can never think of a time when she really didn't um, because we were all like really good kids and we didn't get into trouble. And so she never minded us. Like, for example, we would, we would ditch high school like a lot because uh, it was just easy to do and whatever because we're in high school. But she would be like, you guys have to tell us when you're going to ditch class so that 
I don't look like a bad mom, like not knowing where you are so I can cover for you guys. Like I'll call into the office. I just need to know that you're going to leave school. <laughs> so I feel like she always showed up for us in that way because she trusted us and she knew we weren't getting into trouble or anything. We just wanted to like go have, have fun and we had good grades and we were just really, you know, good involved students. And so she would always just be like, okay, but I just have to call into the office when you guys want to ditch. <laughs> so once we were in Costa Rica and there were these mean bullies, um, and <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really funny. Um, and they pushed my brother off the seesaw, and he cracked his head open. And um, so the next day, my mom went to the school, and she would just watch them. And then the school was like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And she was like, oh, I can, because they pushed my son off the seesaw, and he cracked his head open, so I can. And then none of the Israelis, because that was the kids' parents, they, none of them talked to my mom. Like, everyone was scared of her. You may be mean, but I'm crazy. That's what my mom said to the little kids. So one time we were in Costco, and I was in one of those electric wheelchairs because I just got out of the hospital from getting hit by a car. And um, my, me and my brother, like my brother Carden, jumped on with me. And this person was like yelling at us. She's like, you guys don't, you don't need that. And you shouldn't be using this. You guys are going to sue Costco if you guys get hurt because we were messing around. And then my mom like stood up for me and like, kind of got in the guy's face and started like yelling at him be like oh he does need it and um like why would we sue costco if it's i mean if it's our fault and then he like like started yelling back at my mom and then my mom started crying and then my mom yelled back at him and then he wa- went away was there a time that you really just sucked to parent like when you were just the worst my mom wanted to go to Vegas for Thanksgiving. I was like, Las Vegas for Thanksgiving? That's the worst, you know? Like, And she had a brother that lived there who um, had dealt cards. And he was a you know, card dealer in Vegas. And he had a really kind of a, a sad, lonely life there. And she felt that she had to go see her brother. And I had really never even met him. So I was like, this is our Thanksgiving. You know, I was 15 years old. And I was like, how could you waste our Thanksgiving? And he chose to be there. And I just had this 15 attitude of like, 15 year old attitude of like, I know everything. And what are you doing to our Thanksgiving tradition? Cause you know me, I like love tradition. And, um, and I was just like, and so I said things like this, like she, she, he chose to be there. And like, why are you doing this to us? So I had my permit and we were driving down. No, it was a neighborhood street. Okay. <laughs> And we were driving down a neighborhood street and my mom just took my hair and pulled it down. I was driving my whole head. I like couldn't see. I was like, Mom, I can't see. I'm steering. And she took my head and pulled it all the way down. And I remember coming up and I was just shocked. Like that was like, she was just so done with me, you know? <laughs> and I like, I like so shocked. And I just like, was, I kept like, I had slammed on the brakes. I'm just sitting there in the car, just like in shock. And it wasn't totally shocking for my mom to react sometimes in this way. But, um, but anyway, we ended up going to Vegas and it was so special that we had this opportunity with her brother and he ended up dying 18 months later. And, uh, so I, I think of that sometimes in like how she was so really in tuned with what he needed. And I had this like, but that was just like the essence of like my teenage, like, that's just how I was. <laughs> Will you tell me about a time when you really just sucked to parent? 
Oh, my mom slapped me at my eight-year-old birthday party because I was being too bossy to my friends. And so she used to kind of, that was her reaction, was for this go-to kind of slap. So I remember the moment I was old enough that she went to slap me and I blocked it. And I totally blocked her slap. And I, she looked at me. She was like madder than she'd ever been. And I just laughed. And I was like, you can't even slap me anymore. I like looking back at it now. I'm like, they were actually saintly. <laughs> and I'm like impressed and like have admiration for some of the things that they like put up with or looked over or were kind about, you know, like I... I think my parents, well, I know they were <laughs> really strict, actually. And so at the time when, for example, my all my friends had curfews of, like, midnight in high school, mine was 10 or something, which, looking back, is not the worst thing ever. But, like, <laughs> at the time, I was like, my life is so hard. <laughs> but, I don't know, just, I think now I'm, like grateful for some of the strictness and the care that they put into those like hard parenting decisions and I have like so many stories <laughs> where I'm like man I'm like so lame and if my kids did that I would like <laughs> be so mad tell me about a time when you really pulled one over on your mom we, she trusted us so much that we wanted to let her know always where we were. As long as we were like, you know, back by curfew or if we were going to be late, you know, she, she just wanted to know that we were going to be late. And so there was never a time when we needed to, because she like, let us do whatever. I was coming home. Um, it was winter and I was driving much too fast for the conditions. <laughs> it was snowy Utah, you know, and, um, I was driving up and there's this curve at the top of our road and being an inexperienced driver, because it was my first winter, I think, driving in Utah too, I did not account for speed and curves and icy snow <laughs> and I flew off the road like into a ditch in the field and, <laughs> and so I call my my mom and my dad and I tell them that I've like had swerved to hit a deer it jumped out of nowhere and it made me careen into the ditch <laughs> and they didn't question that they just only asked like if I was okay they came right away they didn't even like say oh man it's so late I maybe at the time they were more mad than I'm actually remembering but I just remember them being like so grateful that I was okay. And, and then of course they, I was responsible for paying for all the repairs and everything, but they never called me out <laughs> on the fact that it was clear that I was speeding. I brought this story up to them later because I was like, yeah, I, there was no deer and I was speeding and I was like past my curfew and they were like, oh yeah, we totally knew that. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, you did? I'm like, why didn't you say anything? And they're like, well, we just figured like that was lesson enough, you know, like dealing with that kind of situation and having to like face 
like fess up to what you had done, kind of like calling them in the middle of the night. I don't know what else I would have done, but I, w- I was like really impressed with my parents in that moment. And it taught me a lesson in parenting. And it really impressed upon me that they had like used grace and mercy and love in a way that I hadn't like thought about up to that point in my parenting, like career, I guess. And so I don't know, in a weird way, I think it took pressure off of me thinking and feeling that I was responsible for it all as a parent, you know, like life is a good teacher and it's okay as a parent to let that be a teacher. And for us to take the job of just loving our kids. What's one word that you would use to describe your experience as a mom? I think that the first word I thought of that just popped into my head was full. I think forgiving. Like I experience probably the most forgiveness and have to ask for it the most. And just, I understand forgiveness in a new way as a mother complete so I I'm going to just use the cliche word and say uh, pure joy I absolutely love the day-to-day interactions with my kids and I think it's like the most joy I find um, on like a you know day-to-day basis I think there's a couple I would say busy and craziness <laughs> which is kind of the same word the same thing <laughs> open what's a word that you would use to describe your childhood no i think layered is probably a really good way to dis- describe it because i feel like i had a multiple childhoods um because they were there was so much yeah that we went through and our family changed so much and There was a lot of beauty and there was a lot of struggle and so layered is probably a good word. Fun. I I, I would say fun and meaningful childhood. Uh, My my childhood, I look back, it was very very upbeat, really, um, really happy, just really happy. And it's just kind of the nature of, of my parents and my siblings is to just find find the fun and everything and it didn't it doesn't mean that it, it wasn't hard uh, my parents really struggled financially my dad struggled with jobs uh, my mom had to work uh, since I was in second grade she she's worked I mean she still works and uh, so it wasn't that it wasn't hard but it was re- and no matter what like they made the sacrifices to make life fun and to to the point on outsiders might think it looked very irresponsible but it created really meaningful memories and the memories because it wasn't easy we had to work for them we had to make the fun happen and it made it that much more meaningful adventurous just joyful I think I don't know I feel like we had a pretty I mean looking back uh, there were you know and you know because you're in the family there were some weird parts of my childhood but I think in the thick of it like I never noticed it I never you know like I just feel like I had a really like happy good childhood what's one word that you would use to describe your mom generous awesome my mom is the complete mom 
complicated. <laughs> Once all was said and done, did it all turn out okay? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Or I hope so. I think it did. Yeah, it did, you know? And I and I give this advice to friends a lot, but then I don't take it myself. Like, it's you're, you're going to look back and you'll be like, oh. I'm already through that and it's over. And I feel like me, like it's hard, it's hard to see that when you're in the thick of it. But then I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm past that part or I'm, I'm through that hard, that hard stage. So yeah, it all does work out fine. Did it all turn out okay? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I think like the things that were hard and the things that at the time, maybe I was, I don't know, maybe I'd look back. I would, I guess I would say I would take nothing back and I would do nothing over because I think all of it taught me something that I'm glad that I know. As I look back on like the things that I thought were most unfair or most horrible about like my mom and about our relationship, I I really think that she was doing her best, you know, with what she had, with what she could think of to do with me. <laughs> and I really think I was just maxing her out like emotionally and mentally. And we really are all just like trying to figure it out as we go along, you know? And I think that we all really are trying to do our best. Um, especially moms. <laughs> They're like the ones that care the most, you know, in general, I feel like. Do you think that you're screwing up your kids? <laughs> For sure. I always say, if I screw up the first two, I have two more to try out my next theory on. <laughs> yes. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Are you screwing up your kids? I don't know that I can actually answer that question. They're going to have to answer it, and they're going to have to hopefully answer it several years from now. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's something that you can avoid. I actually had a conversation with my son that he, I told him um, that at some point in his life, I, he's going to realize that I didn't meet every single need that he had. And that having four kids, I'm trying to do things and raise them so that they all feel loved and they all feel uh, like I, I can touch them or connect with them in some way. But at some point in his life, he's going to say, wow, I had this need and, and my mom didn't meet this. Or I wish things could have been different or they could have been this way. And right now I want him to set up and help him to realize that that is ultimate, a, a really big possibility. And that I know that. And right now I will never be in a place where like, I will always show up for him to apologize for what I'm lacking. And I think that's something as parents is that we don't apologize enough. We put ourselves on a pedestal of someone to be, which is, you know, we are to be respected and honored and in that way, but also um, to be humbled and to apologize to our kids and recognize that we are going to screw up and they're probably going to need therapy from like how I raised them. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's because it's, we're all living a human experience and we're all trying to pull out what we need and you're not going to have every need met all the time. And at some point you're going to have to process that. Are you screwing up your kids? I, on good days, 
say, no, I am not because, and honestly, I, I say, I've been saying to my kids what your mom said to you, like who makes you mad when you're mad and who makes you sad when you're sad. And that's been really helpful, particularly for my daughter. And I, I remember hearing Linda Iyer talk years ago about how all kids, when you start them out are like seeds in a garden and you don't know quite what they're going to be. And when they're little like seeds, they all need the same things they need. Like air, sun, and water, and food, and babies are the same. And as they grow, you start to see what they're becoming. And, you know, this kid's a tomato plant and needs to be staked and (laughs) given some scaffolding. And this kid's a mint plant and he's going to run all over the garden if you don't contain him (laughs) somehow. Or, you know, like there's just all these different ways that you treat these different plants. And it was such a good analogy. I love nature-based analogies anyway. But um, if I can keep my head in that space of... I was given these seeds to nurture and help grow, then I can take a step back and say, no, I'm not screwing them up. Like maybe one day I forget to tend the garden like I should, but as long as I don't neglect it, as long as I'm there and trying to cultivate what who they are, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But then, you know, insecurity takes over. Like yesterday, discovered... I've been working with my daughter, getting ready for her dance recital, not letting her grow out her bangs so we can like pull it into the ponytail that she needs to have for dance and found out we've gotten eight years of life without her cutting her own hair. And she chose this week to cut her own bangs. Didn't even, here's the, here's the kicker. I didn't even notice. We were at dance yesterday and my friend looked at her and said, oh, did you cut your bangs? I was like, no, she just brushed her own hair and like it just dried weird. And last night I looked at her hair and I went, oh, you did cut your bangs. Why did you cut your bangs? Ah, like totally freaked out. And of course she cut it right at her calic. So it's like this weird little random, and I've got to slick them back into a high ponytail. Well, but then it was like, I am a terrible mother. I did, I literally brushed her hair yesterday and didn't notice that she cut her bangs. What in the world? In a different context, I heard uh, my friend Emily Watts, she was giving a talk about how, you know, how we all do things so differently. Um, like what what one principle looks like in one person's life is completely different in another person's life, but we end, to, we end up like perceiving people's intentions and judge them based on our own practices, like our own way of walking things out. And she had a quote um, from someone I love named Chieko Kozaki, and this is what Chieko Okazaki said, in principles, and I have this on my computer, in principles, great clarity, in practices, great charity. And I wonder if we've like moved from a space where we all agreed on common principles and we could see that everybody was just doing their best to, you know, help each other raise these kids around these principles. And now we've like diverted in our practices so much and how we do those things that we we judge each other. I don't know. I think about that a lot. The principle is I put my family first. I care about my family most. And that's the principle. One person can walk that out as I care about my family most. I put them first. And so I work to provide to keep a roof over their heads. Or I care about my family most and I put them first. And so I have the option and I choose to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's what brings me the most joy. And that both of those practices are correct and we have charity for each other in them because they come from the same principle. And so some days I can stay like firmly rooted in that idea of my principle I'm going for here is to create beautiful a beautiful garden of a family. And then sometimes my daughter cuts her own hair and I completely freak myself out. So. Do you think that you're screwing up your kids? I think everyone is in a way. 
you like your kids look at you like this hero and in your mind, you know, you're, we're so hard on ourselves and it's like, Oh, we're messing things up and all this stuff. But they don't, they don't see that. Like we're so much harder on ourselves than, than our kids see. You know what I mean? Like they just look up. At us. And- I mean, I would hope not, but I'm sure there's like no way to avoid being pr- like <laughs> not messing them up in some <laughs> way. I mean, I think it's impossible, like, not to, just because from their perspective, I'm sure that what my well-intentioned, like, mother instinct says, they would say was, like, unjust or not the right way to do it, right? (laughs) How have you approached um, the non-traditional or the -the out-of-the-box or the um, uncommon parts of your parenting experience? Because I have, you know, a non-traditional situation, in some ways I'm really lucky because they tell me if they're okay because I ask because we don't see each other all the time. And so I think I get a little bit of grace on poking in and saying, hey, how's it going? What are you working on? What are you up to? I've always been able to engage in a different way because my boys are they're really lucky actually because they have I don't know that they'll think they're so lucky but they have a lot of people that are genuinely vested in their well-being uh, who really care about them so they have a relationship with their mom they have a relationship with their dad and then they have me and I am not either of those roles. I'm just me. And we've always been like that. So I get to keep that space for our relationship and we get to define it. And yeah, I get to nag about homework because that's what I'm gonna do. And they get to give me a bad time about you know, my driving skills, my fashion skills, you know, my ability to, well, let's just say my not outstanding athletic ability, but, but that's what they get to do. Um, and when I see them, I give them a hug and they hug me back. And when I text them, love you, they text me back. Love you too. So we're good on my scale, but really at the end of the day, I love them and I believe they know it and they love me and I feel it. So it's a good day. Not everybody's parenting journey is going to look the same. There's a lot that is going to fall outside of any kind of like perfectly structured box or description Talk to me about how that is true for you and what that's looked like in your life. Oh, I know. I think about that because I'm like, you know, there was a day, I mean, honestly, we we would take this Lake Powell trip every, every summer we'd go to Lake Powell and we would come home and our power had been shut off while we're gone. And we lived in Arizona. It was July. So like we come home at like one in the morning from driving home from Lake Powell and the power had been shut off and it was really hot in our house. And my dad would look up and was like, well, we have no power, but we went to Lake Powell. And I, 
And I like, at some one point in my life, I was like, I can't believe they did that. How did they not pay for their bills, but like take us to Lake Powell? And now where I am and I'm seeing you and I raise our own kids, I am like, oh, I get it. I am so thankful that like they chose to do this and let like, so we'd have no power for a couple of days or a day, you know, until they got it turned back on. And that's, that's what, that's what I tell my mom. And, and sometimes she worries about things that happen as we grow up, grew up or as our lives change and we choose a little bit different path. She's like, you know, are you, uh, do you regret how you were raised? And even last night I sat with my mom and I told her, I have no regrets about how I was raised. And look at how, like, I turned out just fine. And all, all my siblings, everybody turned out just fine. And everybody is not only fine, but we are, like, really uh, functioning, intelligent adults in society doing good. So I'm like, it's above just fine. <laughs> yeah, like, I, as an adult, gained a stepmom because my mom passed away when I was 26. And so when I married my husband... Um, his kids were in about the same age like uh, as I was when I got my stepmom. So it was good training um, in knowing what to do and what not to do, at least for grownups. You know. The biggest thing was just keep your mouth shut <laughs> because they're grownups. And if they come to you, fantastic. Like offer the help, the advice, be willing, be open. Um, be there to help, be there to give the assist, but if, but don't force yourself on them. I think sometimes in insecurity, um, I've observed other stepmoms and kind of have tried to puzzle out the difference between what I've tried to make my experience feel like and what my experience as a step child has been or stepdaughter has been. And it really is that just, this is another human that loves you and, and is there for you to show up for you to help you. And you can be that for that person. But when you try to insert yourself, when you try to, um, to play the mom, which is not your role, that's when things get dangerous and and difficult and fraught. I think, I, I, I think it's so interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons that this relationship of mother and child feels fraught sometimes and why, you know, we talked about wanting to talk to people about these relationships because they are so different. There's there's nothing that can replace it. Like when I said that that grief process is uniquely yours, you know, each of my siblings had um, had their own experience, but so did my dad. Like my dad lost a spouse, which is different than losing a parent. Both of his parents were still alive when my mom died. And it's been interesting watching him go through as the oldest in his family, both of his parents dying much, much later. Like it's just an entirely different, like he, I think that's why sometimes when, when a parent dies and the living parent gets remarried, that's something that's so difficult because you feel like your mom got replaced. Your mom can never get replaced. And some, some surviving parents know that and some don't and treat that with sensitivity. And, you know, my dad is a funeral director, so I've watched families go through this over and over and over again. And it was so interesting to have it happen in our family and how it worked out for us is, you know, my dad is married to an amazing woman who coincidentally or not, I'm not sure, like also went through the experience of having each of her parents die at a very young age and having step, having a step parent and step siblings. And she just inherently knew what to do 
with us and for us to come in and be this extra person to, she was secure in who she was and what she brought to the table. And she's so different from my mom. And I realized that it was funny. I, um, I went from being the only married person in my family to the only single person in my family in like two years, which is really awesome for your self-esteem. Don't, don't try that at home. But I, um, my younger sister got married and had a child and, and then my brother got married and had his first child before I got married. Like, and it was so fascinating watching my stepmom be a grandma and, um, Cause she's so fun and my mom is fun. It's not that my mom's not fun, but I, I remember the first time realizing like how different this experience was going to be for my children than if they'd had my mom was, um, my stepmom, um, works at a company there in Utah that has these really amazing Halloween parties. And when my niece was like, I think two or three, she really loved Winnie the Pooh. And so her Halloween costume that year was Winnie the Pooh and my stepmom, got a full-size adult grown-up Winnie the Pooh costume from the Disney store and took her to the Halloween party, like, dressed up as Winnie the Pooh, too. And I, I looked at that picture and was like, my mom would never have done that. Like, never in five million years. But it was so magical for my niece, and it was what she needed. And my stepmom, this is she never had the opportunity to have kids. She was older when she married my dad, and having the chance, she's always been such an amazing aunt, and has you know people who just have a mothering, nurturing heart. She is one of those people, and it's been really magical to watch her have the opportunity to you know be there for us in our lives, like she has been for her nieces and nephews for years, as well as be a grandma um, to our kids. What would you say to a mom who is just overwhelmed and discouraged? I imagine that probably stood out to every mom that you would ask that question to, because that's also something I think inherently that we do. But if they are listening to this podcast, then they're already taking action to handle that feeling of overwhelm or unworthy or burned out, they're taking advantage of an opportunity to give their brain a break from whatever hamster wheel of doubt it's running on. And there is no perfect model. Nobody is the same. No family is the same. So no experience will be the same. And I think sometimes we really work to try to make our experience match what we think somebody else's is or the model that we had or the template that we have in our minds. And it's not ever going to be possible. And, and that's a great thing is because we're all different. So our experiences are going to be different. So enjoy the difference. It does not matter if you are a biological mom, a foster mom, a step mom, a grandmother who is acting as mom. And if you are somebody who cares, well, let's just say the wine culture does an amazing job of really acknowledging the role because of the auntie. and. I know that you have three amazing humans cruising around Sunset Beach who have plenty of aunties willing to uh, 
give them feedback. What encouragement would you give to a mom who's feeling completely overwhelmed or discouraged or just like she's at the end of her rope? It would be a message of control. You once told me this story about being caught in the water and fighting against the ocean took all of your energy and oxygen away. And finally, when you let go and you let the wave take you, Um, is when you got taken to safety. And I've thought about that a few times, quite a few times since you told me that story about this message of control. And if you're ever caught in a wave in the ocean, uh, your your first reaction is to fight back, is to gain some kind of control. When things, when you're caught in a situation that doesn't look the way that you had planned, it's first to fight back. But that energy, it's taking up your energy and your oxygen to survive. And if you're caught in a big wave, the first thing you should do is to just let go and to let the wave take you in. And in, like, I got this when you had first told me, conceptually, I got this idea. But to actually let go is probably, probably after, I mean, all that I've been through and the situation and the hardships that have come my way. I think the hardest thing as a woman, because we're, we're talking about women and families and society and community, that we're very capable, really capable. We can do multiple things at one time, and we're actually really just getting to the surface of how powerful and capable women are right now. But also with that has kind of been this need to control everything. And, and so conceptually, I got this idea of letting go. But the actual putting into practice, really throwing my head and my arms back and letting the wave take me is probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And I thought about this as a wave taking you in metaphor. And I thought, you know what? That wave started in a vast ocean miles before it even got to me. That it is so much bigger than what, um, what I can even understand. And somehow, somewhere, this wave found me and I got to ride it in. Um, and we miss out when we try to control and we try to take the idea and uh, say what it should be, what things should be and what they should look like and try to control the whole situation. When you have been given the greatest gift to actually ride this wave in. And then it started somewhere so vast and it found you is is such a great gift. So my biggest advice to anyone on this Mother's Day to women is um, to see how capable and powerful we are, but also included in that is how we have the real ability to let go and uh, to ride the wave. What advice do you have for, say, a young mom or a mom who's just at the end of her rope? So I've thought about this a lot, and I feel like this can go a couple ways. And I, this isn't anything like super profound, but I look back and I truly feel like every, especially new mom, first time mom, and I feel like it doesn't happen as, as often as it should, they should get a babysitter once a week, whether you're working or not, just for like your mental mental health. Have them do your dishes and fold your laundry one day. 
and have them and go sit in your car and like drink a soda all by yourself. Seriously, it will like change your life. Only you'll, you'll be a better mom. You'll be a, be a better wife. I feel like you just need like that little tiny break for a minute with no mom guilt. You shouldn't feel bad about it. Like you're with your kid round the clock if you're a stay at home mom. And so, you know, just hire a nanny one time a week for like two hours, two or three hours. After I had like my third kid is really when I was like, Oh, I should, I'm just going to try this, you know, because I was trying to like work on my own just, just to, for like my mental health, you know, and just like to have my own little outlet. And it's been amazing. It's just like this one day a week where I don't have to worry about doing the dishes. And I know that my kids are safe and they love being with the babysitter. And it's just another kid to play with while I can go do my own thing. Mm. Oh, that's a good one and a hard one. <laughs> I would just say to keep going, mama. <laughs> You're not in it alone. And I think as you express so well, Natalie, that you just got to keep doing your best and that it's always enough. And that if you focus on that, that it will all work out. And that also what you're doing, it, it matters. And that this is like the most important work that there is. So Meg, you know, Meg, <laughs> you love Meg. Yes. But she actually years ago said this quote, and I'll try to remember it. Her words are always beautiful. I'll try to do them justice. But she said something along the lines of, our children will not remember the bits of dust among all the things that sparkled. And I love that. And I think of that when I'm like, so being so hard on myself and I'm like down in the dumps and I'm like, I'm messing everyone up. What I would hope that other moms would know, something that I felt like I... I don't hear enough is that it's not awesome every day. It's not, I don't, I don't feel this like overwhelming amount of success and joy all the time in it. I feel like there's a lot of hard. There's a lot of, I, the last, the last three years, I feel like we, um, my son has had countless surgeries and procedures every single month. We're in and out of the hospital. Um, several brain surgeries and just things that are literally sustaining his life and I I don't know that I I felt like the I feel like the first two years I was the biggest thing that was hurting during that time was that I was trying I felt like I was failing him and my other children because I wasn't finding joy every day I and so I have the initial grief of losing him but then on top of that I'm I feel like I was also just trying to keep my head above water and then feeling like gosh, feel I'm really failing him and the rest of my family because I'm not finding joy in this. I'm not finding joy in my son slowly um, spiraling out of control and there's nothing I can do about that. And I think had someone grabbed me by the shoulders and just said, yeah, this is really awful and it's okay that it's awful and you don't have to find the silver lining in this. You don't have to make this harrowing thing, this wonderful, awesome, blessed, wonderful experience where everyone feels so great about it. But that instead, like, once I was able to just say and let go of that, that desire, that need to find the joy in the journey and just, and just instead say, 
yeah, this sucks. Like I actually found more joy in that instead of trying to fight through the dirt to stay like, oh my gosh, there's gotta be sunshine somewhere in this dirt and just say like, nope, this is dirt and this is what we're doing. And there's not, there's not really a way out of that. And in a weird change of events, like that's when I was able to find my oxygen. That's when I was able to breathe, when I wasn't constantly trying to fight these waves that were surrounded by me and, and saying, no, 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 I can, I can find joy here. I can find joy here. And instead just opening up my arms and just relaxing in the storm and just going, okay, this is the waves that we're in right now. And um, learning how and doing life that way instead. I, I specifically think of um, rip currents out here. If you are fighting against a rip current, um, it's it's commonly known that that's generally when people are drowning and will have the most problems in rip currents is they're fighting against the rip current and you're, you're spending all this energy to try to go a different direction when really what they teach our kids in water safety is just letting go, relaxing, relax until you get out and eventually you're going to get out of the rip and you'll be able to swim to shore much easier than exerting all your energy to fight against that. And so I feel specifically like this last year, um, when I finally decided I'm in a rip, like I am in a, I am in a rip current that is going to take me out to see far away from the land where I wanted to stay planted, the safe, the safe, good harbor, you know, like where I want my family, I want my family to be in this safe, happy spot. And instead I'm being sucked out and I've spent these last two years um, fighting with everything that I have to try to not be stuck in this crappy situation and instead I just let go and, and decide okay I'm gonna float then I'm gonna float and I'm going and I know that eventually it's gonna rip me out to the same spot and then I can float and not waste all this energy and spend all this time and actually drown probably eventually and float out there and let go and now in this last year, it's it's changed everything because I'm not spending so much more energy trying to get out of this hell that is my life and instead floating. And so then I have all this extra energy to do love my children and do find, oh, look, there, the sun is still shining. Oh, look, there are clouds in the sky. Oh, the water is blue. The same water that I felt like was going to drown me and kill my soul is now, oh, it's it's just blue and it's fine. and. So where the circumstances haven't changed, I've found um, that just floating has has been a world of difference for me. What are you doing really well as a mom? Oh, I tell. So I have both my older kids. We're in therapy. My older kids are in therapy, and I told I was telling my kids. I said, "This is a gift I'm giving your future spouses. That whenever you feel that." you need help processing something or that emotionally you're not okay and you need a little bit of assistance that I've raised you in a way that you can recognize that and say, I need help. Uh, because that was something that took me a very, very long time. And I think just with our generation, it wasn't as accepted, I guess. And I want to raise my kids to be able to, to the gifts it's a gift for their future spouses, for their future children to be emotionally mature enough to say, I need help. I need a little bit of assistance right now. You can love them and see them fully when you're not so attached to your own ego and your own idea of what they, of what they should be and allow you to 
Yeah, it allows you to connect with them on such a deeper level and to truly like them because it's just them uh, with you taken out of the equation, with your ideas taken out of the equation. So it really allows you to connect on a deeper level with them. That's it's really something special. What's been the hardest part about being a mom or maybe the most unexpected um, challenge that you faced in your motherhood journey? Um, I think initially my husband and I wanted a ton of kids and we just assumed that it would be super easy to get them here. Um, and it wasn't, it took several years to get them all lined up in a row. And that was through, um, lots of miscarriages, um, infertility treatments and adoption and even just the point to get to adoption um, was tricky. We lost a premature baby along the way. Um, we had some failed adoptions. Um, each one just kind of broke our heart every single time into a million pieces. I remember with our even with our failed adoption, my husband said it feels like we've lost another baby in the same way that we lost our son that was born premature. Um, and then even when we adopted our son, that his adoption was contested. So we were in, we were fighting with the courts for over a year. So I think just like every single step of the way, kind of clawing our way into parenthood. Um, specifically thinking uh, the last three years, I feel like we ha were really in the trenches with one of our sons who um, unfortunately was diagnosed with a really uh, traumatic health problem that is deemed terminally ill. And I remember listening to some podcasts once about someone saying, who also had a child that was terminally ill. And she was saying, you know, we just, we just really love every single day with him. And we really soak it up because we, we don't know how long we're going to have him. And I just remember I wanted to like <laughs> chuck my phone across the room when I heard her say that, because I wasn't feeling like that. I wasn't feeling like I was enjoying every single moment. I felt like every single day I would wake up and my heart was shattering again because I felt like I was losing a child every single day and every single day it felt hard. And so um, I think just, just trying to uh, battle through my own emotions of that and with parenthood, I don't, I don't know that my oldest is 12 this year. And so I don't know that the last 12 years has been like, well, and then even the few years before, my husband and I have been married for 15 years. So I don't know that like there was ever this blissful time in like getting our children here and then getting them to freaking stay here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I find great joy in parenthood. I love my children. I, I enjoy them. I enjoy getting to know them and their souls. But um, it's also been a really harrowing chapter of my life as far as um, in our family and keeping them in our family. What's been the hardest part or maybe the most unexpected part about being a mom? Man, Natalie, I'm already going to get emotional. <laughs> it has been to, um, well, first, uh, the hardest part of my motherhood experience is to actually let go of a child. That as mothers, we have such a 
wonderful idea of what our children's lives can look like, should look like, um, potentially could be. And to actually have that come to an end and know that like one of your children won't experience that life. What role would you say that community plays in our experience as mothers? We talk about in our culture, we have, um, you know, our ancestors that lost a lot of children. And there's this journal I found from one of my ancestors that she put her child up kind of on a, on a higher table and he fell off and he had a head injury and within two days he had passed away. And this is a, a journal entry I found because I knew I had a lot of ancestors that had lost children. And so I was reading some of their stories. But when we talk about people back in the 1800s that lost children, it was like, yeah, it happened all the time. They didn't own their grief because it was so part of life, you know? And so, um, so I felt kind of disconnected from my ancestors that lost children because I was really heavily grieving. And I felt like they were just like, well, I lost another kid until I got to this one diary that I was reading of this. She, so this had happened and then it like wasn't mentioned for a very long time. And then in her later years near her death, she was talking about this child and talking about the guilt and the grief. And it was, you know, 60 years later after it happened or 50 years later, And she was talking about how close it still was to her heart. And it was like two paragraphs long and it was everything that I needed. I needed to know that it wasn't just this, she lost this child and it was this footnote in the story and she moved on with her life because that's not what it was for me. I needed to see that she still carried this 50 years later and up until her death, like she still carried this child. And while it's so sad, it was so comforting to me to have those like two paragraphs of like something real. Okay. I didn't have a lot to say about it, but I think it is important to feel like you're not alone and that you're not doing it alone because all the things that you are feeling and the things that you're struggling with, it's comforting to know that someone else is out there (laughs) feeling it too. And I don't know, I think that's something I have come to learn from just seeing sisterhood and community and seeing others interact and experiencing myself is just that we are in it together. Um, I, I always think of, you know, the women in my life on Mother's Day that have had an impact on me and I'm just so grateful for them, but not all of them have like had the opportunity or maybe made the life choice to have kids or like for whatever reason their life is different and and I'm just so grateful for all the different I don't know female influences in my life and I'm grateful for those influences in the lives of my kids as well because I think you know like teachers aunts all my cool friends (laughs) they influence my kids and like I feel like bring balance and an enrichment to their lives and my life that is just so important and matters so much. And so like I see, I see all those moms out there that do have kids and they're really struggling and it seems like they're in a corner (laughs) doing it by themselves. And 
I, I've been there, you know, and it, I think it just goes back to that. Just as long as you're doing your best to love your kids and love yourself, make time for yourself because it's true that <clears throat> you need to pay attention to yourself in order to really help others around you, you know, take a minute for yourself. Okay. Real talk. Is your mom screwing you up? No. No. Well, doesn't everyone mess up sometimes if you're a mother? <laughs> everyone messes just, up as a mother. It just, it really bothers me when people are like, oh my gosh, like my mom is like the worst and she is just, is the worst. I mean, like, I mean, like I know how like, you know, some moms are literally the worst and abusive <laughs> yeah. or whatever, but you know, it just, I, I don't know. Like, I just know, I mean, sometimes my mom like messes up, but she's not like messing me up. Yeah. Do you think that your mom's screwing you up? Oh uh, yeah. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but kind of. <laughs> Why do you say that? Um, no, I'm just joking. You are an amazing parent because you always like, like take us on trips and we can learn about world culture. I'm I'm culturing you very very well. This is true. Yeah, sh- sure. No. You don't think so? No. <laughs> Try again. Everybody makes mistakes. Okay. Every single mom that I have asked that question. Are you screwing up your kids? Every mom that I've asked so far has said that they were messing up their kids. What do you think about that? Seriously? Yeah. That's so terrible. I feel so sad for them. That makes me want to, like, give all the moms in the world a big hug. (laughs) That they're messing up their kids. I mean, mean, like, I, I I know that they're messing up. Well, like, duh, they're messing up. But, like, they're not, like, messing up their kids. Like, that's so terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but like, like, like every like parenting is like weird because like every parent messes up, but like that doesn't like mean that like any kid will stop loving them ever. I don't think that can ever happen. But for me, at least, like, I I can never like hold a grudge for that long from my mom. Oh, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that you made that differentiation. Yeah, you are going to mess up, right? But you're not messing me up. Definitely. Oh yeah, because it's it's like. I don't know. I feel like for me, if my mom were to do something like so, so bad or I don't know, I would choose to like be like more positive about it and just like choose my own path and make the situation better for myself. And honestly, all, not all, but some of the nicest people that I know have come out of the craziest situations. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how, because I would literally be messed up and be held like in an insane asylum. But like, because but I, I don't know, like yeah. all the strongest, kindest people that I know have like come out of like these insane situations where, um, wh- whether in their home or like whether something that like someone else did to them or something, they just like come out like crazy nice people. I don't yeah. know what happened to them. I think yeah. Just going through things like that can really make you a stronger person and just like a more wiser and like more loving person. You know, I don't think, I don't think it can destroy you. Like, I I mean, it can, but like it can, it can, if you take it the wrong way, you have to make your own choice. You make your own choice about your life. You, you are the one who determines. You, 
you're the one who changed your fate. If you want you, to change your fate, <laughs> you choose your own pathway. You take control of your life and change your own pathways. And well, you know what I mean. <laughs> what is your very favorite thing about your mom? There's so many things I can't narrow it down to. One. I like my mom because she's weird. <laughs> um, because. <laughs> Which sounds weird, but my mom is like straight up. I mean, not like yeah, super weird, but you know, but like, so is mine. It just it makes her and makes her different from all the other moms who are like soccer moms <laughs> and like, do you want some apple juice? And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> like the the weirder the weirder my mom is, like just like the better it is, and that and that's that's the same with both of my parents is that like they're just so different, and it makes me happy and- that they're different from the other moms. Um, so I think, I always think of my mom as her just sacrificing so much for us. And, I mean, and in a joyful way, you know, it wasn't like sacrifice, like, oh, everything's so hard. It was like, she just really wanted to give us all of her time, all of her attention, and do everything she could for us. So I feel like she created this wonderful, magical environment in our home where um, not only her children, but every all the kids in the community and all the youth in the community felt so comfortable to just come to our house and hang out and even just sit at the kitchen counter and talk to my mom for hours on end about anything they wanted. And I think that was just amazing. And I'm trying to create that in my home myself with my kids. And I don't know if I can even like you know, live up to even a portion of what she did, but it, that was amazing. What do you love most about your mom? Um, that, um, she takes care of us. I like her hair. I like her eyes. I think the favorite thing about my mom is she's just, she just she's just really strong in all ways, you know? She just, she finds ways to stay positive all the time. Like, all the time. Even though things are the worst sometimes. What's your favorite thing about your mom? Oh, yeah. My mom, like, every night she'll do this funny face to me and Hawks. Her food. She's, has, she's just a great cook because she's from Brazil. So it's, like, super different food and it's just yummy. Nice. I'm trying to speak, um, speak French, and um, I'm trying to like speak it, but um, I'm like struggling with the words. So my mom's like teaching me, and then um, my mom and me like keep laughing because I say funny like things. <laughs> so we travel a lot, and whenever we're traveling, she like we fly standby, so it's like really difficult to like get places if it's like a busy season. So she'll like, I'll get like super frustrated because we'll be like sleeping in airports and stuff and she'll just like buy me a bunch of candy and just like be super awesome and be super nice and like supportive. She's like, I know it's hard. Um, because me and mommy have the same swimsuits in there and they have, uh, they have unicorn dogs very outgoing. She's super nice and she always wishes the best for me. <laughs> um, you let me live in your home. I'm joking, I'm joking. That you love me and you take care of me and you feed me. What does your mom do that drives you crazy? Or like, in what ways is your mom the actual worst? Uh, 
Oh, so many things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think my mom's the worst, but sometimes I just am frustrated. And one of the things that really frustrates me is I know this is such a teen thing to say, but she really. I feel like sometimes she doesn't understand. Yeah. And especially because times are, I mean, they're not like extremely different, but they are different from what they were. And my mom all the time was like, oh, you know what? I did have a phone when I was your age and I was just fine. And I'm like, (laughs) well, things are different now because now we do have them. And like, I mean, not things like that, but you know what I mean? Like, I, it, it, it sounds like, you know, you know, when a, like a teeny, like, limps yeah. into their room, they, you understand, but, like, it's basically yeah, that. that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, sometimes, sometimes you, I try to tell my mom things about my life or something, and then she's like, no, well, like, this and this and this, and I'm like, no, but you don't understand, that's not how it is, like, no, you just... <laughs> Okay, I th- I definitely I I definitely think that she tries to understand things, but the thing is with me is that like when she tries to understand, sometimes like I like she just doesn't, and so we both just get so frustrated with each other because I'm trying to like show her my perspective of things, but she just doesn't get it. But she tries to, and I'm just like, eh, like. <laughs> is there anything that your mom has ever done that just makes you crazy? Uh, <laughs> she, she uh, wait wait what did she say what what do I do that makes me super mad <laughs> um not let us play Fortnite she doesn't let us like buy it. if we want to get Fortnite stuff you won't let us buy it what does your mom get mad at you for my mom gets mad when and then say it really loud. My mom gets mad when. <laughs> it's too funny. <laughs> no. Tell her. Tell her really loud. <laughs> the same in the beginning about my mom. <laughs> she did not understand that. That was not English. <laughs> my mom. <laughs> like when I My mom doesn't like it. Oh my gosh. My mom doesn't like it. <laughs> I gotta run around my house and get all my toots out. If your mom were here right now, what would you say to her? Um, I think I would just say thank you for um for just leading by example. And for always creating an environment where of trust and honesty where we can feel like we could create our own paths and through that um, trust that we always want to that we like that we that I wanted to make the right decision and so uh, I felt like I didn't have to be sneaky because I always knew that she trusted me and so I could just be open and honest with her so that's what I would say to her. Oh man. Um. You know, it's so funny. I don't, I don't tear up about this very often, 
but I started to, and it's probably because you just introduced that with such care that it gave me permission to be emotional if I needed to. So I appreciate that. Um, the thing that I probably would say, well, I think, you know, as I've talked to my younger siblings about this, because I think that when you have a loved one die, one of the most important things you need to remember is that everybody has their own experience with grief. And as siblings going through this, this experience of losing our mom at 49, she was 49 when she died. Um, we all had a different experience. I was married to my ex-husband at the time, didn't live at home. My sister was, you know, in college in the middle of like her early young adulthood. And my brother had just graduated from high school. My brother's your age. I think you guys graduated the same year. And, and just to hear, it's funny when we talk about that, I think we each long for different things if she was here. Like my brother, every once in a while, just kind of stops and wonders, like, would she be proud of me? Like she never really got to see what I did, you know? And he, and I think the younger that happens, I read a really great book after my mom died called Motherless Daughters. And I can't remember the author, but um, you see people who have a mom die at a young age and there really is that energy of like, there's no one there applauding you. And so you're looking for the world to hopefully applaud you because you didn't get that. You had that taken from you. And I see that sometimes in him. And it doesn't happen all the time. And it certainly isn't like he's super well-adjusted, is an amazing dad. But every once in a while, you know, I wonder if she'd be proud of me. I think my sister feels that too. And I was old enough when she when she died that I knew she was proud of me. But I was in such a weird situation personally where I was married to someone who it turned out didn't like me. <laughs> I just was sort of trapped in this weird scenario that um, I I would love to experience this life I'm living now with her here. I think she would love my kids. I know she'd love my husband. And I, I feel sad that she doesn't get to experience that with me. Um, and so, you know, I, I would want to, to chat with her about that. The thing that I actually weirdly most want to always talk to her about is like um, – <laughs> especially as I approach the age that she was when she died. Um, I'm I'm 45 and she was 49, which is starting to really have some implications in how I think about what I'm doing with my life. Um, but I, I would love to know if she felt old <laughs> when, she was, when she was in her 40s, because I don't feel like I have anybody to ask that question. I mean, you sort of do and you talk about it. And like, I have friends that are close to my age that were like, do you feel like you're in your 20s still? Like I do too. I the only reason I can tell I'm old is like my knee creaks and I know that's going to get worse. But like I don't feel like a grown-up so much of the time and then I look at like the house that I own and the children that I have and I'm clearly a grown-up, but I anyway, like that's the thing that I would love to talk to her about and I've never I never had the chance to cuz you know, I it's just one of those silly things that I want to want to know. Will you tell me about a time when your mom dropped the ball? So my oldest brother was having a birthday party and I think they were going to like a bowling alley or something and we lived really far away from everything. And so it was like quite a trek to go down and, um, you know, do anything like that. So she went to go pick up all the boys for the birthday party and and we get there and we do the whole party and then my mom dressed all the, all the boys off and then she realized that she forgot to pick up one of the boys. Like one of the boys was like waiting at his house all alone with a present for hours and she never came and got him. 
because she was just so busy with us, you know, four kids and the whole party and everything. She just forgot a kid. And it was, you know, back in the nineties when there were no cell phones, there wasn't internet. So there was no way to like contact or text or anything. And so it was just, you know, this little boy all by himself left, you know, he wasn't by himself, but left alone during the party. Love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Mama. Mahalo, Mama. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Love you, Mom. Merci, Mama. And this completes our Mother's Day mashup. Thank you so very much for listening. And from me to every single one of you, happy Mother's Day. I love you. I believe in you. As always, I want to remind you that your very best, and particularly in motherhood, is always enough. Solidarity, sisters, we are all in this together. Go make it a great day. If you have enjoyed this Mother's Day mashup, would you do me a favor and share it with your favorite moms in your life? In order for me to be able to continue this podcast, continue doing this work that I love so very much, in order for me to continue providing this content for you on a weekly basis, the greatest thing that you can do for me is to continually share these episodes each week. If this has spoken to you, if this has been meaningful to you, chances are very good that those in your life will enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing. The Show Up audience is the best audience in the world. See you next week. Shush up for a minute. Love you more. Say good luck to you. I didn't clap. <laughs> oh dear.